Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. I'm Rebecca Atkinson-Lord, and I'm here for one of a series of podcasts around legacy and how you leave something lasting in an ephemeral medium like theatre. Um, I'm here with Rachel Tackley, who's currently the director at ETT. She's been here since 2008, and she's about to leave uh, to become the exec director at Chichester Festival Theatre. Um, and Rachel, in the course of your career, you've been through ATG, you've been through Shared Experience, the Albany Half Moon, yeah. Canal Cafe, you've kind of been through every every stage and you've of... done your research haven't you oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's not worth doing if you're not going to do it right no, <laughs> um so you've got a really good idea of what the spectrum of what's possible at each uh, each part of that mm. ecology is when you started as the director at ETT um what were you hoping to achieve when you took up the post kind of what did you what did you want to change mm. what did you want to keep the same I didn't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. I've been um, producing um, when Stephen was here as artistic director um, on a day a week when I was at ATG, mm. um, and so I was already was already in the company to some mm. extent. And what ETT was doing then was was in, you know had really good production values, really good work, very you know it was and still is good theatre for as wide and diverse an audience as possible. Mm. It was, you know, proper plays for big audiences. Yeah. Um, and it still is absolutely that. Um, so that, that hopefully that baby hasn't been thrown out of the bathwater. <laughs> yeah. But because um, Stephen would direct most of the plays, there was obviously a massive change when I took over. Mm. Um, and the thing I didn't want to do was write a list of my 20 top favourite plays and then invite my 20 top favourite directors to direct yeah. them. Because... As tempting as that might be. Well, actually, it wasn't even remotely tempting, and that—that's really that, not at all. Um, because I just felt that everything. Because I'm so driven by passion that the plays that I chose to do had to be driven by a passion, my passion, but also the passion of the director. Mm. And I thought much better to meet new directors and re-meet people that I already knew and talk to them about what what was on their kind of sort of what was on their bucket list, I suppose. What were the plays they really, really wanted to do? Mm. I wanted to enable creative artists to do the work that they really, really wanted to do. So not without exception, but almost exclusively, everything we've produced has been driven by the desire of a director. And that passion. Yeah. That, and that makes for a really different yeah. production. Absolutely. And it makes for a really different production process and a really different working environment. Because if everybody's working on something that they feel really driven about, then mm. you're already, you know, on the third floor. So really, I, one of my board members describes my job as being a bit like a funnel. And that, <laughs> in that I sort of get all kind of hoover, mm. hoover up all these ideas, talk to lots of different people. Not just directors, writers sometimes. Mm. But it seems very strange if I go on a journey without a director. Mm. If I go on a journey with just a writer, those are the those are the, the journeys that I stumble over yeah. most commonly, because I really need to have a director in the room with me. And I and I guess I want more than one person in the room going, "Hey, that's a good idea." <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. Otherwise, you just think, is it a good idea? Is this is this is this a great play, or am I just kidding myself? Yeah. And, and the guess... writer's always going to tell you it's a great play, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh God, absolutely. Um, and I guess the other thing about touring is is it's perhaps that it, it strikes me as being even more collaborative. Is that even if you know I, I meet a director who I really want to work with and we agree on a particular play or production that, that we, you know we want to do we've then got to sell it to 10 different venues mm. so that's a kind of pretty pretty kind of cruel way of finding out whether it's a good idea bad idea yeah. you have to then you know convince other people it's a good idea or take it on the chin when they just say yeah. actually that feels like it's been done before doesn't feel very new or very exciting or we had one you know the amateurs did that two years ago or you know so it's um it's not it's not like being the artistic director of a venue, perhaps when you're more in control of all the other elements of production, mm. we are, you know, very, very much not in control of the of the um, element of delivery. Mm. You have to sell it once to the venue and, once to the and to the directors and programmers and marketing mm. teams, and then again to the audience. So um, I guess it's a maybe it's a bit of a safety net. Maybe maybe I really like that. Sometimes it's frustrating. Um, but sometimes it's a question of, of just finding the right space for it. You only want people that love it to be taking it, you know, because then you can continue oh, that. Yeah, it's like, don't do me a favour, really. <laughs> you know, don't take it out of some allegiance or just trying to be friendly. You know, it's either, you know take it because you think it's a great idea. Mm. And then we'll find out together or not whether it was or whether yeah. it wasn't. I don't, I mean, I genuinely don't regret anything that, that we've produced. I might have done some things differently. Um, slightly, but part of the fun is finding out whether that particular show in that particular director with those particular people done in that particular way was a good idea or, or not, or should have been slightly different. And sometimes a production can work incredibly well in six venues and then just fall down in two. You can drive yourself nuts working out why. Just you, you know, you get those golden moments where the production and the venue and the audience and everyone is just in it and it's wonderful. What what? Were there some of those moments? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. There was um, because somebody from two or three people from ETT go to every single show in mm. every single venue. So I've seen, you know, been to a lot of theatres um, and seen a lot of our, our productions. And there weren't always productions that you just think, oh, God, I could watch that every night of the week. Mm. Um, and there were some productions that you think, okay, right, it's Tuesday. Off I go again. to. <laughs> off I go somewhere. Um, some of the standout moments have been the um, the Roger McGough adaptations that we've done of the Moliers, which we call the McGoughiers, um, <laughs> and in Liverpool, mm-hmm. and just Roger McGough in Liverpool doing an incredibly funny translation of an already incredibly mm. funny farce is genius, and I, you know, have absolutely laughed so much I thought I was going to fall off my chair and that's you know when your own shows and you always feel a little bit embarrassed about getting <laughs> incredibly engaged in your own productions because it looks a bit a bit cynical perhaps but um so that that was that was fabulous um I'm really you know, one of my one of my best favorite ever productions was Jonathan Mumbo's production of Twelfth Night mm. which I just could have watched time after time after time and and I did a couple of pre and post show chats with groups of young people mm. and 
just talking to some young people about what they got out of the production. And the thing that I thought was absolutely brilliant was that those kids could go into the classroom the next day and argue with the teacher about some of the decisions that were made mm. and whether they thought it worked or it didn't work. And they were saying things like, well, I did, I did, to be honest with you, I did think I was going to be really bored, mm-hmm. but um, <laughs> I thought it was really good. You know, those yeah. kind of comments are, are fabulous. And, and when you talk about legacy, that's, that's for me, the legacy. It's mm. the things that the, the impressions we leave on, on minds of, of audiences. Yeah. And I guess it's so much more rewarding, perhaps, if those minds are young, because, you know, it's going to change longer. something. Yeah, yeah. Or it, might, it might just give something a little nudge somewhere, just mm. knock something off its axis a little bit. Um, and, and perhaps start be the thing that, that is the moment for people. And young young minds are perhaps less cynical. Certainly, you know, my younger mind was significantly less cynical than it is now. Um, so so yes, it's it's incredibly rewarding when those. So so that sort of leads into something else I wanted to ask about um, about sort of long long term versus day to day, because. Because I think some a lot of artistic directors I speak to have this idea of you know when they leave what 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 their tenure will have meant, yeah. and then other ones are like no, it's just about making sure that this week or this year yeah. we pay our rent, we pay our staff, and the show's yeah. good. No, like, I think I'm I think I'm one of the long term ones. Mm. That's not to say there haven't been moments when I've you know when we had one of the productions, one of the really big productions out on tour. It might have been Amberley, it might have been Eternal Love. Um, and we had another production out at the same time, and we were employing over fifty people mm-hmm. a week, which for a company of our size is huge. It's a lot. Um, and we had to pay them every week, and all of the um, all of the shows in all of the venues, well, both of the shows in the venues were were almost exclusively on split deals. So it was entirely about how much we were taking mm. at the box office, and that was nerve wracking. So yes, I guess in those moments it becomes about. Are we going to have enough money to? Are we going to make it to Friday? Yeah. yeah, I mean, it, no, I've never allowed the company to become that close to the mm. to the wire, but um, certainly there have been times when we just think, you know, this is this is scary. Yeah. You know, there've been you know sleepless nights, etc. Um, but no, I'm much more. I guess my job is about long term because everything in touring has to be done at least a year in advance. Mm. So um, it's all been about the plan and the idea and what we're saying about ourselves. And I, I do spend an awful lot of time thinking about um, how, you know, what we want to achieve, what the idea is, um, and why we're doing anything. One of my questions is always, why are we doing this? Who's it for? Mm. And why are we doing it? I'm not doing it for me. Yeah. Of course, I'm loving what I'm doing, but I'm, I'm and I wouldn't do anything I didn't want to do. Um, in that I, you know, people have said to me, well, can, you know, I really, really want to direct The Tempest. And it's like, well, you go and direct The Tempest for someone else. <laughs> and, um, you know, I'm, I don't want to do, I don't want to ever do, a, 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 you know, a Beckett. Mm. Um, it's just not my, it's not my passion. Yeah. So what it is about, about me, it's about my choices. And as you say, my, you know, my curatorial decisions. Mm. Um, it's really much more long term. It's how does that fit into the big picture? And, mm-hmm. and if I was Mrs. Miggins, this, this, you know, my Mrs. Miggins, my Mrs. Miggins lives in Malvern. Right. And, um, Mrs. Miggins from Mrs. Malvern. And, and, you know, what does Mrs. Miggins in Malvern think about this? And, mm. and she, is she, does she want to come on this journey with us? Is, or is it a journey that we're going on for someone else? Mm. I have this whole kind of like random family, and I'm thinking <laughs> this is for my kind of, you know, pretend brother-in-law and this is for my pretend auntie and this mm. is from you know da 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 
Um, so yeah, it's it's really not it's not about me and my, and I guess that makes me different from most artistic directors who are directors of plays because mm. often it is about a passion to direct something. Yeah. And those you know those artistic directors absolutely have that passion and mm. and um, and I have passion, but it's it's not about individual production. And I guess that's interesting because you get to funnel lots of different passions. Oh yeah. Yeah, my, my board member says it's you know this this Hoover idea is that I start by hoovering up all these ideas with different kind of creative directors, maybe writers but mostly mostly um directors. And then I kind of apply a layer layers upon layers of filters. Mm. So it has to go through the do I want to do it? Actually the first filter it goes through is are you a wanker and do I want to <laughs> Yes. And if, okay, the secret filter so few yeah, people acknowledge. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Does it do, does it filter the first filter is really plays we like with people we like. Yeah. Um and and then then there's a million other filters about, you know, does it fit with the big picture? Is it gonna add anything to the sum of what we've done before? Mm. Is it gonna take us anywhere new? Is it going to introduce us to new people? Is it going to help develop audiences? Is it going to give the envelope a bit of a shove somewhere along the line. Are people going to like it? Are we going to be able to sell it to venue managers and programmers and producers? Um, has it been done before? When was the last time somebody did it? You know, all of those things. Are there any great parts in it? You know, you know, a million a million different filters. Um, and then I, which is why I think I have to start off with so many conversations mm. to be able to filter it down mm. to the few that come out of the bottom of the filter that kind of drip out of the bottom um (laughs) but then at least you've at least you've been robust in the decision making Mm. you know you really have applied all of those filters in a in a alarming an alarming degree sometimes Mm. and it must make it really hard for people that come to meet me because so so often we have these fabulous conversations get so excited yeah and it goes through three or four filters and then suddenly you think you know you talk to a venue and they say oh well so and such and such a company just did that. Or I mean, you know, Google helps an awful lot. Yeah. You just, when was it last time? Twelve nights. And time? sometimes just, you know, I think that's in a slightly different way, but that's something I've experienced. Is that artists came to me at Oval House and was like, "I've got this brilliant project," yeah. and it was brilliant. It just, it just wasn't, wasn't for you. us, or yeah. it wasn't for us now, or it wasn't for us now on this budget, or whatever. You know. So I think. Yeah, I, I completely get it. And I you mean, feel I, awful. You feel yes. often you have such a relationship with those people. You feel like you're almost betraying. Yeah, them. and I think I think my one of my difficulties is that I can never believe that something can't ever happen mm. because I'm one of those people that if you put a wall in front of me, I've got to find a way around it or over it or something. Um, so it's never. It's really difficult to say no because it's easy to say no. It's not for me. Mm. But then you think, hang on, if it's not for me, what does that really mean? If I run one venue, then I. I kind of know what that is, but to say no from a touring company perspective means that you have, in some way, you're admitting defeat because because you're saying I can't make that happen given the contacts that we have in mm. many of the theatres in this country. And surely there's someone and, that yeah, exactly. will like someone. And under what? And I suppose for me, I, I always look at things in a positive way, and I start to think under what circumstances could this be made to happen? Mm. And then you think, well, it's a great play, and you're a great director, and if you had a great actor in it, then mm. and we took it to these places. So so. That you do have to apply, you know, all twenty filters mm. before you can make the final decision, which makes decision making either incredibly quick and incredibly easy because it's just the tempest and I don't want to do it. Yeah. Or <laughs> it's I'm going to apply twenty filters and really think about this. Mm. And because we never have meetings, I never have meetings with directors and talk about one play. It's mm. always you know A list. ten or something. Yeah. Um, 
So, so yeah, it can be can can take me an awful long time to think about things, and I've always mm. got a thousand plates spinning mm. at the same time, and that must be frustrating for people so, that are waiting for me to make a decision. So that's interesting. Do you ever experience any tension between because it, because ETT is is itself, it's an entity, and it has its own aesthetic and. Do you ever feel a tension between your aesthetic and ideology and what you want for the ecology and then maybe what the company is? Or are they I don't of... know. To be honest with you, I think the company for the moment is me. Yeah, is she? Yeah, and there's, there's no... I don't think there's any, ever any real question about that. Mm. But that's not to say that the company isn't at times incredibly pragmatic. Mm. Um, but no, you know, it's my, it's my name on the door. Yeah. Um, and And things, you know... Absolutely no. I've never, I've never felt that the, the company was anything other than mm. um, in, incredibly representative of, 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 of my view. Of taste. Yeah, that's that's a really nice place to be. It is. Why am I leaving? Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so fit is this ephemeral thing, right? That's the joy of it. That yeah. This beauty is transient, and mm. that is why it's joyful. Um, do you think it's possible to leave something lasting, a lasting legacy? Like whenever I start talking about legacy, people go, "I don't even know what that is." No, I, I think I know what it is, and I think I and absolutely, and I'm not sure that I'd be that interested if I didn't. It's not about you know, it's not about building theatres for me. I can see, I can absolutely get that sense of legacy. You know, mm. that person built that theatre, and look, it's still there today. And look at who's performed in it, and you know, the, yeah. the the memories that have been made in it. I can completely get that. But it's also, you know, not necessarily the thing that's interested me. I mean, Chichester's a really fabulous example. You know, Alan has done the most extraordinary job in bringing about, you know, the re- a twenty-two million pound redevelopment. Mm. Would was I have been remotely interested in his job before that? Yeah. No, not at all. I'm, 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 I'm interested in, in in making small changes to people's lives, and I'm not, you know, I'm not going to sit and pretend that I'm, you know, anything we do is going to change the world because it's only plays. Um, but I think it's um, that if I didn't think that the people that were coming to see our work were going to somehow be changed mm. very slightly by that, then. I think it would all be a bit empty. I'm not saying anyone's got to have a you know eureka moment every time they walk through yeah, the door, yeah. but but you know that that people will get different things from it, and it might be about the writing and the words that you hear. It might about the, be the you know the things that you see. I went to see English National Ballet last night, and I was so blown away by the choreography, mm. and I was so blown away by the music. Mm. It happened to be written by someone who I think is a complete genius, who I adore, um, and I. And I, you know, I didn't come out with a, you know, I hadn't wept buckets. Oh, mm-hmm. my God, but that's the thing I love doing in theatre is having a good cry. Having a good um, But I, I think if you can give everybody something to take away with them that that will make them think slightly differently, it might, it might be something about it. It might make somebody choose something to wear that's mm. a bit different, which then might have a slight difference on how they're perceived when they, mm. you know, when they meet people in their lives, and and you just never know. I think it's so Small important that you changes. that you show people what's possible, mm. and then they can they can take it or leave it. The unique act of sharing a live experience in an audience is, has got to be about giving a legacy. Mm. Otherwise, it's otherwise watch the telly. Mm. It's interesting you just because you just said it's not going to change the world because it's just plays. And I think I want to believe that they can. I'm not sure I do believe yeah, that. I really I'm, want to. Yeah, I'm kind of with you. And I do think that, that we have the capacity. And it does change the world 
in that it changes the people in the world and it, mm. it, it shows and the world is the stories we tell about the world right so yes absolutely that and and, and I and I do passionately believe that that, that does that you know that, that we that we can and not that we can change the world that we do we already do mm. because the world will be very very different without the arts generally mm. but theatre you know in this scenario um, it would be very very different um, so it has changed the world it does change the world it is it is part of the mm. world but when I say it's only plays it's because I'm also not one of these people who, you know, look, I work, in, you know, I work as hard as anyone else and we work very long hours and touring is a very specific thing. So, so, so it is all in, encompassing and it is, you know, it, 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 it's a lot of hours and you have to feel really passionate about it. But we had this saying at ETT was, it's only theatre can't eat it, can't wear it. <laughs> and, you know, we shouldn't give up our lives. Mm. Theatre, we should. No one's going to die. No, exactly. I I have the kind of is the world going to stop turning Mm. if you know if ETT doesn't produce a play in March? Mm. No, it's not. That doesn't mean to say we shouldn't or we should take it lightly. It just means that if life gets in the way, if people have you know, I'm I'm a great believer in go home and you know, Mm. go home and be with people that you love, yeah, because this is this is work, yeah, it's passionate work and it's lovely work and we all love it, Mm. but. You know, you do have to. You'll be a better person if you have a life. Yeah, and a better artist. Yeah, or absolutely. Curator and I, and it, and it, it irritates me a bit when we, when I see friends who are constantly on the end of their mobiles when really it's just ridiculous. Mm. You sort of think, get over yourself. The world isn't going to. <laughs> nothing much is going to change yeah. at at ten o'clock at night. Yeah. Um, you know, really, just leave it. Go yes, ahead. when I get when I get emails from. From producer, particularly producers, actually, yeah. uh, when I'm working as a director at, at midnight, I, I think if it's after about nine pm, yeah. if I get an email from them, I'm like, I hate you, go away. Well, I, the thing I think <laughs> when I get emails from you know two two o'clock in the morning from people, you're overstretched. I just think, what are you doing? But having said that, because because I spend a lot of time on trains and travelling, and that's when you can do it. At, you know, yeah. and if I. And if I need to be back in, you know, in, in the office in London at nine o'clock the next morning, then I am going to be on a on a train at seven o'clock in the morning yeah. from somewhere, and I will start sending emails. Yeah. But I make it really, really clear to all my colleagues I absolutely don't want them to respond. Mm. And quite often in the subject title, I'll put "not for today" or "not until you get into the yeah. office" or "not until ten o'clock" or whatever, mm. because I maybe I'm just a complete hypocrite because I, you know. I, I, think, like, I think it's that tension between because we're all doing a job like most of us are doing jobs that once upon a time we did for free or we did because yeah. we're excited about it so it, it it isn't it doesn't always feel like work no and you just want and you if you want to be good at it it's just about giving yourself permission to stop yes. when you can indeed indeed but also mm. it, if you it's about seeing theatre in its rightful place which is part of part of the rest of life and if <laughs> theatre becomes the whole of life yeah. then I'm not sure how if you can. Not sure how good the theatre is, though. <laughs> well, yeah, and, I, and we're passionate people in this mm. industry. Yeah, we all are. Mm. And there's and there's an element of if you're not on your phone at nine o'clock at night, then you should be. And it's like, well, you should be having a drink with your mates, or you know, hugging your kids, or yeah. whatever. Yeah. So, and and the thing about the, you know, pop, some of the really beautiful things that I've seen that have affected me most in my life have made me want to go home and hug my kids. Mm. I mean, Absolutely, so. because that's why you make it right. It's that connection. It's yeah. That so if the you're humanity. Not, mm, mm. 
the other type of legacy that that I have that in having this conversation has made me think I must be fairly driven by mm. are two things really. One is my presidency of UK theatre mm. because that's absolutely about legacy. That's absolutely about changing the industry and mm. trying to make it a a better place um, where people can work more easily and more quickly and more collaboratively and more honestly and mm. and um, and the other thing is there's Forge which we run at ETC which is a, a kind of mentoring program for young emerging they don't have to be young but young as in not age but as in in their know, career in, in, yeah um, uh, companies and mostly producers um, if for me it's, it was absolutely about how do I put something back? So I arrive at ETT, um, and we we had an education arm which wasn't being particularly effective in my view. Um, but I want, desperately wanted to put something something back that I felt we were good at. Mm. Um, and of course, what we are good at is producing. It's mm. what we do. It's the only thing we do. Mm. Um, so we set up Forge, which is a, a men- it's a kind of like bespoke mentoring program for, which is incredibly um, eclectic and not at all um, strategic. Um, but it's really, we, I just was meeting lots of young producers who, for the sake of having an hour or two with me or with my colleague Jane or James or whoever, mm. um, just to ask those questions that you can't you just don't know who to ask ask. like is this a good idea is it a bad idea do you think it will work um who do you think would be a a good director Mm. designer lighting designer where should we tour it to what are audiences like and so and so do you know this person can you put me in contact with that person have i remembered everything on the budget line and usually the answer is no um and we found that we found that people find that incredibly useful and some of the companies we've been working with for a number of years in a really ad hoc way it can be you know, it can be a, a, a couple of hours a, every few months mm. or half an hour, you know, or an hour a year. Mm. But in, and, and and people, you know, if we have some spare space, we'll let people kind of do auditions and, and generally say, look, we're a resource. We, we will give as much freely as we can mm. in order to put something back. And I really love that. I've loved the mm. people that have, that we've kind of followed and, and, and seen go on to, to, to get Arts Council funding and, you know, fairly regular, you know, big chunks of money and then they go out and do these fabulous tours and the audiences are getting bigger and now they're starting to emerge onto the mid-scale mm. and, you know, all of that's been fantastic. And I think for, for emerging companies that even just having someone you can call yeah, and being able to... I, th- I think the thing that I missed um, before it became the thing that I did all the time was just talking to other people in the industry. Incredibly and knowing, lonely, isn't it? Sometimes? It's so yeah. lonely. And knowing yeah. how to, it's really odd, but knowing what register to talk to people in so that you could communicate yourself without being a complete wanker. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's really difficult because you don't, you just don't know how people speak to each other until yeah. you start doing it. So even just that tiny thing is massive. Oh yeah. And I, and, and I love that because for me, it, it costs me nothing. And I love, I love, telling people what I think and it's then up to them what they want to do with it it's like Mm. not what I think it's this is what I have found Mm. so the benefit of my experience is x yeah and the benefit of my experience is if you do x y will happen um now you can absolutely should go and find that out for yourself but if you're forewarned then that might help you Mm. um and and just challenging people on some really basic things like why are you doing this Mm. and who's it for 
And crucially, what if nobody comes? Mm. Because we all get so um, immersed in, in, in our own worlds when we're producing plays that we forget sometimes that it's not, it's not about us. I mean, it is, it is immediately, but, but ultimately, the director's going mm. to walk away after the, you know, mm. the press night. And, yeah. then it's, and that's when it has its most, most of its life. Yeah. Um, so you've really got to think about who's it for. Mm. And the number of producers who say, oh, well, I've, budget, I've only budgeted on 50%. And it's like, well, what if those people don't come? How are you going to pay people? How are mm. you going to do this? How are you going to manage it if nobody comes? Yeah. And... And I think it's only because I've been in that position when you think, oh my God, I know, what are we going to do if nobody comes? Not 20% or 12%. Yeah. Well, and also, and the thing mm. I, I, I say to lots of people that, that we talk to is, what happens if bird flu happens <laughs> and, and people just stop going out? People don't want to sit in closed rooms mm. with um, you know, 250 other yeah. people. What happens if there's some, you know, some kind of epidemic? And people don't want to go out, and literally nobody comes. And that's that contingency planning for the zombie apocalypse. That's brilliant. Well, it is. It is. But, you know, there have been, you know, when, whenever there's been swine flu yeah. or it hits, it it's, you see audiences nosedive, mm. and and that that's huge and scary. Or mm. you know, snow. Mm. If it snows or floods, then you know, and these things happen regularly. That's not. It's not quite yeah. a zombie apocalypse, but it's you know, it's regular things that. That make or it's it, you know the question is if you think it's a great idea you think it's a great show of course you do because you're doing mm. it and you wouldn't be doing it otherwise mm. um, but what if no one shares your passion what if everyone goes oh yeah my first the first show I ever produced in London uh, last week so you know how you calculate that by the last week oh yeah you're gonna be selling out you're gonna be selling out. Sure you are. yeah <laughs> uh, so the last the last week oh, basically opened with the seven seven bombings. Oh my gosh! So I learned that lesson really hard and really quickly. I've never used it. I've never used the seven-seven so, so. Yeah, you're right. And it was and it was a tragedy. And you, so you weren't thinking about the, yeah. you know, the bottom line. But then at the end, you know, a few months later, you're like, fuck. Yeah. That, that hurt. Yeah. Yeah. It did, and they do, and 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 it's it, shouldn't, it doesn't stop you doing it. It just means you should think, okay, well, I need to make sure that this is covered, or that I employ people in such a way that that can be got around or you know mm. I have to have a clause in my contract or you know or whatever that you have to have a conversation with people it's about openness really being open with people and putting and presenting choices rather than saying no or yes mm. so the answer is always yes it's just what what yes to yeah and 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 if the answer is always yes what are the, what are the consequences mm. of saying yes mm. so you know you can have your helicopter in Miss Saigon if you want a helicopter of course you can have it, but it might mean that you know you can only have four people in it, and that you haven't got any budget for the lights. Yeah. You know, so I guess like a, you know legacy of, of of the people that I work with and the people that work with me here at ETT, we all share the same values, mm. and I think those values are essentially my values, um, and I guess they've chosen to work with me because of those values. So so that's a, that's a kind of legacy, isn't it? Mm. That you. So this Absolutely. is how this is how I choose to, to make work. Yeah. And these are the people I choose to make work with. And yeah. if you share the same values as me, then you'll want to work with me. And if you don't, then you won't. And that's also fine. And then by osmosis that affects the whole ecology, I think, because then people take take those values forward. Yeah. Um so my last question is what are what do you think your legacy is? Both kind of here, locally, for for this company, 
and then maybe more globally for the for the for the arts or theatre ecology or or society or I, do you know I, I really don't think I can answer that question because I have no idea mm. because it's in the minds of the people that on a kind of on, on a macro level that have seen the work that mm. we've done and those and 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 that legacy if it, you know where it exists won't will, will be about my choices but won't necessarily you know it'll be about the director's choices mm. and the lighting designer's choices mm. and the actors and writers choices and not not mine at all i don't think i could possibly separate out anything that that i could say it's not to say I've got you know loads of stuff that I'm proud of because because um, there's there's tons of it um, and also I guess some of the most important legacies you don't know about till a decade no, absolutely, later. Absolutely, I think I guess the one thing that did strike me at the time as being different and giving the industry a bit of a nudge was actually being the first producer Produced. to run a, a touring company. Mm. Because it seems to me, having worked in the not-for-profit and the commercial sector, that arts council and local authority, local government, know how to fund, knew how to fund buildings, and they knew how to fund creative artists, mm. um, but didn't know how to fund, and never had funded, a producer who wasn't a director. Mm. And so that's... So that's probably a bit of a, of a legacy because now it's it's commonplace, and it was only I mean I only took over here nine years ago, but I'm not so foolish as to think that if I'd rocked up to the arts council and said please can I have a half million pounds worth of funding to run my own touring company that they would have said yes because they wouldn't have you know ETT was here, mm. um, it had a building it had a life it had a reputation, so I was only, you know, I, I was just running with what Stephen had created. Mm. Um, I was just running in a slightly different direction, mm. and now it seems that it's it's commonplace to think now when you're you know when you're looking at finding a new creative head of a company, it's commonplace to think should that be a yeah. a director who directs, should it be a producer, could it be a writer, could it be an actor? Could and it it's, be? yeah, it's commonplace to lay open to all of those yeah. things. Which is yeah, and it's exactly what ETC's just done in, in yeah. finding my replacement. It's all about you know groups of people, maybe mm. maybe it's somebody you know. A director with some associate artists, or a writer with, you know, a director, or a, you know, any, an actor with a producer. You know, it could be. I think we need to keep refreshing those ideas mm. because I don't think ETT and a, you know producer-led touring companies are the only way forward mm. and are the you know, the ultimate. Mm. It's just part of the mix. Yeah, an interesting way forward. Yeah, and I think if we and it and it, and, and I'm glad that we've now. Mm. When I. When I was working at shared experience we were having an absolute ball the time of our lives I absolutely loved 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 being there um, but I think towards the end I thought I started to think wouldn't it be great to to be the person running like really running this company um, I loved Nancy Meckler saw her last night mm. you know she's an absolute genius um, but I, I suppose I thought you know in moving forward, wouldn't it be lovely to have my own company? And I sort of put that to the back of my mind because I thought it's so impossible, it's mm. never going to happen. And then went to work in commercial theatre where, of course, producers have their own companies all the time. Yeah. Um, and then I guess this I saw this opportunity and, and went for it. But, you know, again, the collective um, courage of, of the funders and the board in making the step. Taking the risk. Yeah, and taking the risk. 
So I guess that guess that's a bit of a, a legacy. And I do I do love watching the young people. God, that sounds patronising. I watching seeing the work that that new companies do that mm. have gone through Forge. Mm. I mean, just fabulous, absolutely. And and meeting new pe new people with new ideas mm. who are going to be absolutely you know kicking at my heels and then and you know bring it on i think it's yeah. i think it if we can inspire the next generation then that's a that's a wonderful thing mm. and it doesn't matter to me if i haven't got a you know building that i built my husband builds theaters so <laughs> he can walk around them and go oh you know that i remember that time we nearly put that there or moved that there or that was a different color or so that's a family that's covered <laughs> yeah absolutely so yes i don't it's not my not my thing at all it's i think my legacy is really in the minds of people not in mm. bricks and mortar. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.